The Sunday Grill with Crane and Crane Insurance. To compare motor and home insurance quotes across multiple different insurers, see craneandcrane.ie. Now, my first guest this morning has just written her first book. It's called Jump. She has had a successful career as a model, TV and radio presenter, and of course, influencer. And to people looking in, it looked like she had it all, but. Uh, underneath the facade there was an internal whisper of discontentment that eventually became a roar and that is a line that I love in her own words she was addicted to busyness and productivity and not really noticing her achievements of which there were many many let me tell you Uh, she talks about how her job became part of her identity and the book is all about confronting who she really is and rediscovering her authentic true self and she joins me on the line this morning to tell me more Daniela Moyle Thank you for talking to us on The Grill. Hi, how are you? That was some introduction. (laughs) Well, do you know what? I haven't read the book, but I have ordered it. And I'm already fangirling based on everybody's feedback and the comments that you've already received from people, the reviews, I should say, from people that have read it. Oh, thank you. It's been really unexpected um, and really lovely. And a, a little bit overwhelming, if I'm being honest, because I suppose the memoir is, your story so it's hard to get feedback on that good or bad yeah there's very little you can do about it but um yeah it's been it's been a mad week and a lovely week I suppose it's a little bit surreal when you make that decision first of all to talk about your own story but then to put it down pen to paper and then unleash it on the world and to you know to is there something freeing in that or maybe something really stupid I don't know you can make an argument for either um I think there's, it's, it's very different to write your story and then to publish your story. I think it's two very different things. One is very cathartic and very healing mm. and one is not necessarily going to be read by anybody else's eyes and you can be very free and honest and then I suppose the idea of someone else reading it is a very different thing. But um, I think they're mutually ex- exclusive. I don't think you could write a memoir to read by others if you didn't get into the mindset that no one's ever going to read this. Yeah. You know, I think you'd censor yourself and, and it wouldn't necessarily have the punch that it has when, when you free yourself of that censorship. Um, so it was an interesting process and um, it's nice to see it pay off. It's nice to see it be relatable and helpful. But yeah, you, you certainly do feel vulnerable. Of course. I think that the word you used was relatable. And as I said, I haven't read it, but already I feel from what I have read that I there, there's going to be things in it that absolutely resonate with me. But take me back a little bit for you. Four or five years ago, where were you, Daniela, in both your personal life and what was going on in your head, I suppose? Um, probably four years ago, I was starting on breakfast radio. Um, so I would have been working for about a decade to get to that point. Um, I was modelling as well full time. Um, I was working as, at the time, what was a very new kind of facet of my career, which is now called influencing, mm. but I was a DJ too. I just started getting called that because I worked on breakfast radio. Mm. And then I was moonlighting as one at like various events in the city and it was gorgeous, but really, really busy. So my, like a normal day sometimes would start at 5am and end at 11pm. Um, and I knew at the time that I was very, very tired. That was like a constant complaint. But then my health definitely started to get worse. I was making an enormous amount of visits to the GP for somebody in their mid-20s. Mm. And I was getting lots and lots of different tests. So it started with digestive complaints that were really um, starting to get exasperated by the month. And then it would turn into 
ECGs on my heart or MRI scans on my head. And I was always trying to treat the symptom like it was a physical sickness, but everything would come back normal. My blood would be normal. My heart would be structurally normal. My my head was structurally normal. And it was so frustrating because I could never add up why I was feeling how I was feeling. And then as a secondary point, you become very emotionally unstable as Mm. well. Um, I certainly, I certainly struggled to cope with like the undulating aspects of the day and to kind of regulate myself. I think my moods were probably very unstable as well as my health. And when you were caught up in all of that and your career was going really well, did you have like an end goal in sight? What were you searching for? Or was it just, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing until I can't do it anymore? Yeah, I was just doing what I was told. I definitely didn't have an end goal because it's funny when I, now that I've taken the time to pause and stop and step back, I actually have no idea what I was doing because it was so out of line with anything that I would actually want. Sometimes you forget why you're actually doing what you're doing, don't you? You just keep oh, going. Totally. You're just doing what you're told, you know, like you go to school, you do well, you go to college, you um, hit all the benchmarks and mm. you get a successful job. You earn enough so that you can live a lovely life, have a nice car, a nice house, maybe find a a partner, have a child. And I don't know if I ever stopped to look at what out of that list do I actually value or want. Um, Like, I don't care about cars. I didn't care about the beautiful penthouse that I'd managed to work my way up to affording. All of it really meant very little to me because it really is not something I actually care about but that felt strange because I'd never learned how to stop and self-evaluate that way I was just culturally kind of meeting the milestones that were meant to me So you made the brave decision but probably looking back now the right decision to just quit your job and say right I need to get away from all of this You know what like it's funny because I don't even feel right taking the credit for making that decision because it really was forced on me And, and it's very counterintuitive and at the time, I was probably at my most fragile in terms of my health. Um, there was There's a point which I explain in the book where any kind of coping mechanism I had, whether it was for better or for worse, really failed me. And it got very debilitating to the point where I genuinely had to leave my job and I really couldn't function anymore. Um, it was like it just tipped over from being you know, somewhat manageable, even though I was managing it quite badly, being completely unmanageable and so I really didn't have the insight or self-awareness to stop before that it got to the point where everything stopped for me Um, and travel at that point probably seems like the total wrong thing to do to book a one-way ticket when really for me I was definitely at my most vulnerable but um, the only way I can explain why that was the decision I made was because at that point, I felt like everything had become very, very numb or very grey or very flat. And when I thought about anything that used to bring me, like, even the tiniest bit of joy, like even chocolate, I would just be, like, repulsed. Nothing felt nice or fun or happy anymore. But for some reason, when I thought about travel, I would still feel this tiny flicker of colour, of, okay. like, light and life. And so I just kind of followed that thread, even though it felt very counterintuitive and maybe even a little bit risky. Um, but I'm really, I'm really glad I did. And I'm not saying that that's the answer for everyone either. I, I kind of, I don't love that that seems like it's a blanket message. I think it's a really subjective experience and it just so happened that that was my answer. But um, I think you can, you can do the work 
anywhere. It doesn't have to be on the road. It just happened for me that that's how it was. So you took yourself off all by yourself. Were your family worried at this point? Like, what were they thinking? Or had they tried to talk to you and say, slow down, you know? You don't have to ask them. I was not listening to anyone at the time. I was a woman on a mission. (laughs) Um, No, I'm absolutely sure they were, of course. Like, even, I I presume, I'm not a mother, but I presume when you have, you know, a, a, a child, no matter what age they are, and even if they were in perfect health and they're going off traveling, you'd be concerned. So there was double reasons to be concerned. So I'm sure they absolutely were. Um, I think they knew me better than I knew myself in a lot of ways. And I think they recognized that I, I really needed to go. That if I was ever going to figure this out, it was going to be in my own unconventional way or on my own terms. Um, and kind of being forced to reduce my world down to maybe moving back to my parents' house and whatever else wasn't going to really help me. They were probably petrified, but encouraging on the surface. I can't imagine what it must have been like to have all that going on in your head and then to say, right, I'm just going to put my backpack on now and I'll go to the other side of the world and I'll see if I can find some clarity. And it sounds all idealistic. I'm sure it didn't happen straight away. No, no, far from it. Like all of the all of the mistakes and the chaos and all of the ups and downs are chronicled in the book. Mm. Um, and it was really interesting to kind of relive that. The work that I eventually did, and, and I say the word eventually because it took many, many months for me to actually really start to make some proper change. But I do think that that work is actually an inward journey. It's not an outward journey. So I think you could do that in your own hometown, in your own bedroom. Um, but for me, I'd gotten so ingrained into this lifestyle of productivity that there was genuinely no space for me to have that inward journey. So I think I had to leave to create that space. But it was a long time coming. Like, I, I was still an idiot when I left. Oh, don't, don't say that. She weren't an idiot. But I No, have... genuinely, I, 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 I repeated so many, like, one step forward, five steps back, oh. honestly. I think you're very hard on yourself. I have to say, I was on Instagram the other night and this is a line which, how lovely is it, firstly, to hear somebody quote uh, from your book as I'm about to do, but also somebody highlighted this line in your book as, you know, an important line for them, right? Here it is. Yeah. You have to heal what's hurt you or you'll bleed on people who didn't cut you. Facts, no? Well, that's certainly what I did. You just displace your own unresolved nonsense on all these poor people in your life who don't deserve it. No, it's very easy to have a lack, to lack self-awareness, definitely. Mm. It's very easy to to make assumptions and, and fill in the blanks and, and to actually to live in the present um, and to, to have real space between your thoughts and your reactions is a skill. You have to learn it like you learn a sport or an instrument and so that's kind of what I learned I had to I had to relearn um, I had to retrain my mind that's kind of what I figured out eventually Well I think you've certainly figured it out so where are you now and like not literally but what are you what are you <laughs> What what's the plan now or, or do you look at life like that anymore? What is life like now? It's that, you know what that experience absolutely changed the trajectory of my of my whole life. I could no longer like unknow what I knew, um, and so even though I spent a decade kind of working up to a certain point in broadcast, I actually came back to go to college again. So I'm studying psychotherapy. I'm in my first of four. I've just finished my first of four years, and I've just started a little business called The Still, S-T-L-L, no I. And okay. um, 
for now, it's an online resource, information, um, online courses and events, which is the stuff I wish I knew when all of this was happening to me or the place I wish that I had to look or turn to or it's science-based knowledge in an area that's very murky. Like people talk about wellness and all these different kind of trendy facets of wellness and sometimes it can be very murky when you really need some clear-cut help. Well, Jump, your very brave memoir is available in all good bookshops um, but it's sold out in some, I can tell you that. But I presume it's going to be restocked in the next week. Yeah, I've been so shocked by I know. The, we sold out on so many places. But yeah, we're reprinting, restocking and it's always available online. It's always available on um, Kindle. It's never going to go out of stock on Kindle. Oh, what, <laughs> what an amazing debut week for you. Uh, congratulations, Daniela Moyles. It is amazing and I can't wait to read it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on. It was lovely to chat to you this morning. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It's the Sunday Grill. It is Shona with you. Hope you are well this morning. Now we're going to talk about the Relay for Life. It happens every year in Wexford. It's hugely popular and of course hugely supported. This year's is a little bit different. It's going to be a virtual Relay for Life. Uh, It means that all the pre-registered teams can now continue to do the event virtually. And uh, as they say... They won't stop until cancer does. That is the tagline. And joining me on the line this morning uh, is one of the people who has taken part this year. And of course, for a very special reason, Shalane Fleming. Thank you so much for talking to me, firstly. Thank you so much for having me. I know that, you know, anybody in Wexford will tell you about Relay and what a, a fantastic community event is because it brings so many people from all walks of life together for this one day where you kind of celebrate. And um, I know it's, it's, a, it's a really emotional day as well, but you have your own very special and personal reason for taking part, Shalane. We do indeed. Um, we had hoped to, well, last, sorry, last year was our first year um, doing the Relay for Life Wexford. And last year we registered Team Django. Um my husband was diagnosed with uh, leukemia in April 2018 and we had hoped to do it last year with him as a survivor but unfortunately he passed away in May last year but we registered a team and did it in his honour. And that was really soon for you guys yeah. having gone yeah, through was. what you did I'm so sorry um, that was really soon to, to to come together how was it last year how did you how did you find it it was a magical oh. day to be honest really really emotional obviously Colin had only passed away two months before yeah. but um, all his family and friends um, came together literally kept us busy for two months well a month actually we only registered at the June so we fundraised for the whole month of June and half of July and we did this really for the 24 hours. Um, to be honest with you, I didn't know what to expect on the day. Okay. Um, but it is, it is just, it's just amazing. I can't, it was so emotional and like you were crying happy tears and sad tears and Everybody just came together. I just I can't put it into words what it is like to be involved in such an event. Um, because so any, just, 
Anybody um, that speaks about it talks about that sense of togetherness. Yeah. Um, it is it is like even though you have your individual teams, it is it, you know, everybody does come together and like I don't think that anyone that has been at the event hasn't been affected yeah. by how amazing and how magical it is. Do you know, obviously last year as I said when we did it, uh, Colin had only passed away in May. So um like we were roaring <laughs> literally what well, from the second it started and then like the the candle ceremony at the end or in the evening that is it is just it's unreal, just the whole feeling of the event. I recommend well obviously not this year, people can come down to see it because it's a virtual one. But it is well worth anybody to take part, really. It is, it's amazing. And all money's raised goes to such a, an amazing charity as well. We got to experience firsthand the amazing work the Irish, Char- or Irish Cancer Society do. Um, we had a night nurse here with Colin for three nights before he passed. And the pressure that that takes off of family just to know that he has been looked after and that you might be able to get your eyes closed for a couple of hours is just unreal. You know, just just to have that. And then the, you know, the volunteer drivers is another huge thing that my family are involved in. My father does the volunteer driving. And again, that's sponsored by the Irish Cancer Society. You know, I don't think people realise how important fundraising for this charity is and where it actually goes and where it goes yeah Yeah. I know that even though this year is going to be different it's still a focus for this one day that you're going to come together virtually I presume you're going to have your family together again you've got a team we do okay and who's on your team this year oh we've the same as last year we had I think over 40 on our team (laughs) (laughs) just of all family and close friends of Django's of Collins so um, yeah still going now we're at two different sides of the county okay <laughs> our team is so there'll be two different virtual ones for our team okay so you're represented yeah. at both ends at both ends of the county yeah I think you know what you've what you've said this morning is that you've highlighted where where the money goes and the importance of, of raising funds for the charity um, but also for you guys it's it's a release and it's that feeling of being joined of unity for for a very special day for your lovely husband so that must mean yeah. a huge amount to you and and lovely that you come you're coming back to do it again yeah and to be honest it is a such a family event like i am um, we have three small kids and my seven-year-old is the eldest and he loved everything about it you know, he he loved the whole thing we did last year. He loved being involved in all our fundraising last year. Do you know, and like it's not just for adults. Yeah. It's for anybody who wants to get on and do the laps. Do you know, like yeah. it is such a family event. It's just wonderful. Yeah. Um 
Shalane, thank you so much for sharing your story with us this morning. I have no doubt that there are people who are listening right now and will want to get involved um, and have been touched by what you've said. RelayForLifeWexford.com if anyone wants to check it out. And the event is taking place on July 25th and it's not too late to get involved. <laughs> oh, you can, yeah. yeah. You can still do your own. Um, and there is a link on the website to donate. Okay, then that's what it's all about. And buy candle bags and stuff like that for you to decorate to do, to to decorate in honour of somebody that has passed away. Brilliant. Well, Shalane, thank you so much. Uh, it was lovely to chat to you and we'll be thinking of you. Thank you very much. Take care. Talk to you soon. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It's the Sunday Grill. It is Shona with you. Now, let me tell you about this. Last week, a Carlo man, a Carlo director, should I say, found out that he was nominated for a BAFTA for his TV show called Brain in Gear. Fergal Costello directed the short form programme, which examines the life of a young female in her late 20s. And he joins me on the line to spill the beans. Tell me all about it. Good morning, Fergal. How are you? Morning. Not too bad now. How are you? Good. Yeah. Have you come down off the cloud nine? Uh, not really, no, not yet. Um, the odd thing you forget it happened, and then you suddenly it uh, comes back to you with a, some, one of your mates text you, or your 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 mum texts you again. You know? Or you find yourself uh, on beat doing an interview of a Sunday morning. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose, like, look, you're not new to this industry as such, but it must be really nice to get a nod like this. Yeah, no, it's crazy. It's 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 uh, it's. Like last year was kind of a crazy year. We got to make some stuff with the BBC, and mm. Braining Gear was one of them. And uh, in January, there, kind of on a lark, we decided to enter it into the Baptist. And I, I basically just forgot all about it, really. And then um, last Thursday, then I kind of just got, I woke up to um, the producer of the show. She rang me at 6 a.m., but I kind of <laughs> ignored it because it was just too early. Uh, but then um, when I woke up playing properly like 8 a.m., the, the phone was basically flooded with text and just couldn't believe it. Completely like because I. We weren't expecting it. I didn't know that day was even being announced. You know, it was just really out of the blue. And yeah, I'd, I'd love to live in a world where I forgot that I had um, submitted an entry for a BAFTA. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you must be really laid back. Yeah, yeah, pretty. <laughs> well, just, uh, you know the way you kind of you, you don't really think you have a chance, really. You know, not in a bad way. It's just um, it's a so crazy thing to get that you think you just entered like almost for a laugh, thinking it mightn't go anywhere. Just it's just better to be in than not in. And then uh, when you get the word, it was crazy, yeah. I couldn't believe it. So tell me a little bit about Brain and Gear, what it was all about, and uh, was it a passion project for you? How did it come about? I, came, I actually came onto it kind of quite late. It's uh, created by and written by, uh, her name is uh, Bemisola Ikumelo. She's um, um, a Nigerian-English uh, comedian in England. And uh, she was basically looking for um, a director to kind of help her put the kind of the last few pieces together before it's filmed. Okay. So I actually came on board about two months before we, uh, about a month and a half before um, filming was due to start. And uh, yeah, that's how I, I came on board with that. And then it's, so it's basically a flat share comedy about uh, Bendy plays the main character and she's living with like two versions of her emotions who are always basically giving her a hard time but being late, like in her late 20s, single probably a tiny bit overweight that kind of stuff you know it's a, it's a, it's a flat share comedy but like but her emotions actually manifest it like as real people walking around with her and basically making her life misery okay um, and I, I know I don't know if this is true but I read that it was the Lord of the Rings that inspired you in the first place that this is 
the movie that made you realise you wanted to be a director. Is that true? Yeah, big time, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think 12. Okay. I was just really blew my mind, yeah. And in terms of your career, is this the highlight now? Is this like, right, okay, I've reached it? Or, or what, what would you like to see happen? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, uh, at the moment, it's definitely, like, the higher the career so far. But I'd love to kind of take it further now. And, like, uh, the next, like, we're developing a series now um, for BBC, hopefully, BBC and Channel 4. So hopefully that, if we get to do that, then I'll be directing, like, all six episodes. And that would be an amazing thing. And then developing uh, two feature films now um, with, with um, a few kind of film friends. And uh, they're kind of slowly gaining traction now as well. So... I'm hoping, like, the, the, kind of the the pragmatic side of it is, like, uh, the Batman I'm is amazing, but hopefully it'll help other projects get off the of ground as well, you know, So and kind of on a bigger scale. So and that's kind of the, the dream now, yeah. The dream, yeah. Can I ask you, over the past couple of months, while it's been a struggle for lots of people, I've wondered this uh, many times, is it a good time to be an artist or a creator or somebody that, you know, writes? Is, is it a good time for you? Have you found it productive? Has it helped? Um, I've kind of been, yeah, I've been kind of lucky enough to, I've been doing a few uh, sketches um, just for kind of different companies, basically, and uh, I'm doing some pieces now for RT now at the moment, the Comic Relief, and um, that's, it's been hard and that they all have to be doing over Zoom, so you have to kind of make yeah. them funny. <laughs> you have to like you have to basically create these sketches and specifically aim them towards like you know Skype and Zoom and yeah. uh, house party and all those kind of, you know and try to make them work that way. So that's kind of been the challenge, you know. It's like but, uh, um, it's like a new art form, isn't it? Like how you yeah, how you yeah. like manage this this new way of creating content, I suppose. Exactly, yeah, and kind of getting your head around it and trying to make it into an advantage rather than you know don't be bemoaning it while you're going into it and stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So this so, year. You're not going to get to put on your tux and walk the red carpet, but there is like a, or are you? No, no, no. Oh. We have to. No, it's a yeah. I know the religion. Come here. <laughs> but, You've got to do that in your sitting room. Yeah, no. My my mum is actually in now <laughs> home for that, and uh, she's going to do a whole big thing for it. Apparently. Okay. Good. She's, she's a dress bot. Yeah, no, your mum's right. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm her way of thinking. But they're taking place the end of July in the Royal Albert Hall, and it's a virtual ceremony, or we'll be able to watch it on TV that evening. Is that how it works? Well, yeah, it'll be on TV, and because uh, we have to record basically a, an acceptance speech just in case, like, okay. so uh, send, send it to them on my iPhone, like, so. Actually, yeah. you, you've kind of made it when you can't be there and you just have to make an exception. Yeah, so yeah. just go with that. <laughs> yeah, send a message. Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, we'll have everything crossed for you. It was a pleasure to chat to you and uh, I'm sure the people of Carlo are very proud of you for putting them on the map in terms of uh, the, the BAFTA nod. So well done, you. Uh, thanks very much. Really appreciate it. Thanks a million. We'll catch up with you again soon. Thanks so much, Virgil. Best sure. of luck. Thanks very much. Bye-bye now. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It's the Sunday Grill on Beat. It is Shona with you. Hope you are well this morning. Now, let's talk about this because, let's face it, the last few months have thrown lots of plans up in the air. But one of the biggest things, I suppose, that's been affected are weddings. And for brides-to-be, or indeed people who've gotten engaged over the past while and have had those plans, I suppose, put on hold I thought there was one woman that we needed to chat to this morning, um, get her advice, get some tips. Her name is Lisa Carmody, better known to her followers on Instagram, of course, as Lisa's Wedding World. Good morning, my dear. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. I'm good. Listen, 
I think you are the kind of um, light at the end of the wedding tunnel, if you, if I might <laughs> put it like that. Um, it's been such a crazy year, obviously. And for people that, you know, have had dreams and hopes of their big day happening in 2020. And for most people, I, I think that's kind of been put on hold. So I wanted to chat to you about what what can we do? What can they do? How can we help them or give them some advice around that? Yeah, sure. I, I think 2020 was probably lined up as one of, of the biggest wedding years so far. A lot of people, I think because maybe of, of the date itself in 2020. They, it sounds nice, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there was a lot of people, whether they were engaged for one year, two years or three years, they were all aiming for 2020. And I suppose we didn't really get far into the year in terms of weddings. Um, I was getting underway. I know there, there was obviously some weddings take place at the start of the year, but obviously from April to September, October, and then you've got Christmas, uh, your peak times for weddings. So a lot of people didn't get to even have their hen parties or enjoy any bit of a build-up. And, and, you know, I even heard of one girl who was meant to get married the, the the March weekend when the lockdown restrictions first started. So she was two days out from her wedding oh. and had to cancel. And my heart, I, I didn't even personally know the girl, but my heart went out to her because I imagine she would have had her tan done or her nails done. Yeah. She was in that bubble already. So um, it is really hard. A lot of brides and grooms have had to really, I suppose, take time as, as things are announced in terms of making the right decisions for both for them and for their guests. You know, if they might have a family member who's vulnerable and they don't want to put any of their guests at risk. Um, then there's been weddings abroad, which obviously have, have been postponed as well because of, you know, flight restrictions and different things. But a lot of brides that I've talked to have, you know, that have postponed are, are, more, are calmer now that they have because they don't have the stress and worry of, you know, what if I can't get married in, in June or July? July but they know now well I've got my date for next year I'm going to you know enjoy the build up it's going to be like your wedding day will be phenomenal no matter when you get married and I think this has brought everybody back to that like what is it what is the reason you're getting married it's, it's to be with the person you love for the rest of your life so I think I think it's it's really brought the the meaning the love yeah the love and the meaning back to, to the forefront of why people get married and I think now when people have their health and their happiness they really are, are not focusing on on the little things that might have stressed them out, you know, before all this happened. And then I'm seeing a lot of, of couples who've had to postpone and they're still marking their original wedding date. So they might be having a romantic dinner and getting a takeaway and lighting their unity candle or they're having, like I have seen one of the girls had a first dance in the middle of her street with all her neighbours out and, and she wore a white dress. So there's, there's lovely romantic stories coming out of it as well. And like... Like, imagine in, you know, 40 or 50 yeah. years' time, it's going to be some story to tell their grandkids. But So I think there has to be little positives taken. Oh, totally. Like, you've you've highlighted, and I've seen it across the board, you know, over the last couple of months, but it's certainly around, like, you know, weddings. You know, I've seen brides doing their, their hen parties on Zoom and, like, people mm-hmm. going mad for that kind of thing. I just think people have been innovative. But as you say, I, mm-hmm. I guess it's brought back the real reason why you get married and yes it's been put on hold for now but as you say you can find small ways and if that's still you between now Mm -hmm. and Christmas or whenever still mark it in some way I suppose you don't have to you know pretend that it's not happening exactly because a lot of a lot of couples have put you know years into planning the day and you can't just ignore the fact that it's not it might not be going ahead so it it is important to mark it and I think even 
for couples now that are, are getting engaged as well and starting to plan, it's really important to mark every little occasion. So if you, if you, even if you're not doing any planning for the next six months, but when you do start, you know, when you book your your venue, celebrate. When you, you pick your dress, celebrate. Yeah. And I think that is really, you know, we now understand what it is to celebrate. Like we may not have celebrated birthdays every year. And I think from now on, we all might because, mm. you know, something like this really brings us back to um, celebrations with family and friends and just marking special occasions like that. So I think that's really important when you're planning your wedding and if the wedding doesn't go ahead or if it does go ahead, just, just celebrate everything. I think that's a really nice way of looking at it. And I know how hard it must be if you've you've everything kind of organised and, and, and that mm-hmm. all has changed. But there is still um, a way to do it. And, and that's certainly mm-hmm. putting a positive slant on it. What about for anybody that's maybe got engaged in the middle of a rather strange time, but you still want to <laughs> kind of celebrate and, you know, feel the buzz around it? Because that's for me, that's what I remember. I remember that excitement that you, you felt when you when it first happened and everybody was all about you and, you know, you want to lap up a yeah. little bit of the limelight. Exactly. And I think, I suppose, that, that kind of face-to-face celebration and that buzz is probably missing for a lot of people yeah. right now unless they live very close to their family or friends. Um, I think as well, people are being innovative, as you said, with the likes of Zooms or drive-by celebrations or at the same time too, it's important that the couple actually gets to enjoy a bit of, a, you know, the the moments themselves and um, I suppose before they get overwhelmed by everybody else celebrating with them and just think as well you know you're going to have longer celebrations now because you know by the time you might see some of your friends you could be engaged for a couple of months and you get to kind of I suppose keep that celebration of the engagement going for longer and maybe it might be a time now that you have the time now to do a bit of research you know start your Pinterest board start seeing what you like a lot of uh, wedding venues and hotels are are doing um, virtual tours or they're doing Zoom meetings with wedding coordinators. So it doesn't mean that you don't have to start planning if you don't want to. Um, You can certainly start to search. I know there's some virtual wedding fairs online as well. And it's a good time really to to follow, you know, suppliers that you might be interested on Instagram. And that's a really good way of getting to know them and if you like their personality. So even then, by the time you might start celebrating in person or have an engagement party in a few months' time or, you know, even if it's a Christmas time, you can... You can tell people yeah. what the plans are maybe if you want to then because you'll have kind of a feel for what venue you might like or when you might get married. Um, so it, it can be exciting, but I think it's important to not let everything going on in the world overwhelm, um, whether mm. you're newly engaged or you're a bride-to-be. There, there's, I'm sure there's been a lot of tears, but I think it's important to realise that you're not the only one going through this. Um, yeah. There's brides all over the world, you know, doing going through this and newly engaged couples. And I think as well, it's such a kind of unique time to get engaged that you'll always have the stories to tell and I'm sure there's been quite romantic uh, proposals yeah. within two kilometres of home yeah. during your, this as well. Your proposal will be a little piece of history when we look back exactly, in years to come. Exactly. Look, do you know what? It's been really nice to hear kind of um, ways in which it's possible, you know, ways in which it's 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 possible to make it a happy time, I suppose. So that's lovely. Exactly. Um, and I know that you're very busy. This hasn't stopped you from working oh so hard because I follow you online. So I know that you've been up to your eyes, which is great. Yeah, yeah, it's been busy, but I think it's good too to think times like this when you have a little bit of downtime that makes you uh, focus a little bit more and this was um, get things going so yeah I, I launched the podcast this week so it's hopefully it'll it'll help some brides too at the, at the moment and I'm hoping to have some COVID chats 
uh, over the next few weeks on that as well. Excellent. Well, people can follow you at Lisa's Wedding World because uh, that's where it's at in terms of all things weddings, anything that you need to know. It was a pleasure to chat to you this morning and thanks so much for talking to us on The Grill. Thank you so much. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Now, as lots of industries have taken a knock over the past couple of months, so to talk all things art and theatre is Elizabeth White from Wexford Art Centre this morning. Good morning, Elizabeth. How are you? Good morning, Shauna. Good. Good. <laughs> yeah. Keep him, well, I'd say you are busy because, look, it, it's been a strange old time, but particularly in the last week or so, I've seen a lot of press coverage around the arts and theatre and how we're going to get this back and you know it's very close to my own heart Um, it's something that I'm hugely passionate about and something that I miss like a lot of people you know Um, so how are we looking (laughs) where are we at well, we're working on kind of uh, plans to open up the centre at the end of this month, actually. We were expecting it be the end of July for galleries and uh, the middle of August for uh, theatre and performances. We'll have a kind of an, an artist sketchbook uh, on display at the end of June. And we'll also have the fabulous Nick Roach um, is going to have his uh, fabulous Marvel comic books uh, um, drawings on display because he's going to be part of, of the Wexford Literary Festival that's happening the 3rd to the 5th of July I think it's the only festival happening this summer (laughs) virtually virtually by Zoom so everywhere anywhere in the world you are you can connect in with it Um, it's really nice to hear that there is actual plans you know that there is something that people can look forward to I suppose yeah totally yeah no very much so and then you know we're we're looking at what kind of performances and productions we can put on then uh, from the 20th of July onwards you know uh, we may even be looking at doing some outdoor gigs on the green or around the back in our in our premises number three um, and you know I'm here hearing the Min Ryan Park has opened up so there could be opportunities there but all of it needs of course investment of funding and mm. we need to know what kind of supports you know we've heard um, there's announcements of supports for the child sector for children's sector mm. and for the uh, our child care sector and for uh, the business sector but we need to know what's going to be their support because we're going to be opening up on a reduced capacity um, which uh, to comply with the two metre restriction guidelines um, which has a huge impact on our box office income we're going from a capacity of you know 70, 75% down to 20% um, going from 120 seats down to you know about 30 uh, and then there's also kind of that all depends on if there's three people booking from the same household or not you know so yeah. there's a lot of plans to work out there but I have faith that we will find a way uh, creatively and I suppose the beauty is that we're, as a small kind of art centre we have flexible kind of ways of doing things here and we also kind of support the creative hub across the road which just opened up this week it's um you know just about 20 artists studios and we're also supporting the presentation and then Scorty so we're looking at how we get that back up and running um as well as you know an arts and education program which will kick back in in September in schools and from the artist's point of view like I don't know musicians artists actors how are they feeling you know is there you know, uh, I suppose, do they think that in the next couple of months that they can get back to doing what they want to do and what they love? Yeah, I mean, they have been hit severely and it's, you know, it's taken an impact on their emotional well-being. Mm. 
understandably, you know, so which is even more reason that we need to ensure we have some kind of support system in place for them uh, while we are dealing with this, um, these changes and these restrictions over the next year. Um, you know, there was over 50 events we had to cancel alone. So that's we're just one out of about 50 other venues around the country that would have had to cancel or postpone events um, into next year. Um, and that's that's you know income they would have been expecting to rely on over the over the year yeah. you know so um, there's a lot of bursaries the Arts Council bursaries and awards programs were pulled and they're you know revising them but uh, what what new projects awards and commissions are going to come out of that we don't know you know so time is of the essence yeah really there um, is positive news this week and I was really happy to read it and see that there are some familiar faces that I just know from Wexford but the announcement of the applicants that have been admitted to the Playwright Studio Initiative it's brilliant because they're all young and they're I know Know they're talented. Yeah, very talented. Yeah, we did the. That's it. We're very excited about that. Uh, the Wexford uh, Playwright Studio, and um, we had, you know, initiated this development before COVID nineteen. Mm. We still have to support the development. It may be a year before these productions are done, and we're hoping that within, uh, you know, a year that we may be back to a point where we may be looking at producing some of the fabulous work which we hope to see developed over the year. Um, so, you know, we we had uh, strong competitive applications in. So the 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 eight that succeeded um, are, are, you know, the fantastic year ahead of them with support from Billy Roach. Um, there's Deirdre Kinahan is on board as well, Wendell, uh, playwright and director, uh, Thomas Conway, and of course, Ben Barnes, our own Ben Barnes, the director, who will be mentioned them over the, over the year. Um, so a great mix of, of, um, of artists from, you know, coming from varied backgrounds. Yeah. And how is this all going to be delivered now, given the circumstances. <laughs> So we're at, they're actually having their first mentoring session by uh, Zoom with Billy Roach. Um, but by July, which was the 11th of July, I think Deirdre Kinahan's due to come down. Um, so uh, it's open for travel, domestic travel at that stage. And uh, hopefully there'll be a hotel or a guest house open. That she can <laughs> stay open. So we'll have our first social distance gathering at that point, you know. Um, Excellent. And uh, yeah, so hopefully, yeah, we can have more uh, and then there'll be kind of more social distance one-to-ones in between as well. Well, do you know what? It's it, it's quite nice to end it on a positive note and it's great to hear that you are back up and running. I presume you never stopped, but that um, you're making things happen. That's the most important thing. So fair play to you and wish you lots of luck over the coming months and uh, whatever challenges are there, I know you're going to meet them head on. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate it. As I said, I'm looking forward to seeing you on treading the boards again too. Oh yeah, <laughs> someday, someday. I'll give I'll give this year a rest, but maybe next year. Thanks so much for chatting yeah. to us on the Sunday Grill, Elizabeth. Thanks, Sean. Take care. Bye. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It's the Sunday Grill. It is Shona with you now. For a lot of people, the last couple of months have been quite stressful and people are looking to alternative therapies to uh, try and help them in some way. And joining me on the line this morning is Jason Walsh. He is an acupuncturist. I was really hoping that I was going to be able to say that right. And there we go. I, I did, didn't I? You did. Um, yes, you are an acupuncturist and uh, also a tongue reader, a gym lover, according to your bio. But we won't, we won't go into your personal details. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, how acupuncture can actually help if you are still feeling kind of stressed or run down or, uh, or you know, just overwhelmed right now. 
Yeah, so look, first of all, I mean, I suppose acupuncture works on so many different levels and it can treat so many different things. So what we're seeing now that we're back in work and, and things are still you know, a little bit uneasy out there. Yeah. Um, lots of people coming in, I suppose, with a bit of stress and a bit of anxiety. And then people who would have been treated for chronic conditions on a weekly basis, you know, having their treatments just stopped all of a sudden, um, you know, that's going to have an effect on their health as well. So they're coming back in to try and get back on track there as well. Um, but the beauty of acupuncture is that it's it's a natural treatment, first of all, yeah, and we need to understand that. And what it does, um, ultimately, um, for, especially for stress-related um, problems, is it releases endorphins, which is a feel hormone. Okay. So if you come in for an acupuncture treatment, um, you get some needles stuck in you, uh, which is, no, that sounds terrible, but it's not as painful as it sounds. Um, you're going to feel good and you're going to feel relaxed um, and nice and mellow at the end of the treatment, regardless of what you're coming in for. You know, So it works for everyone kind of in the same way. Um, and then, of course, depends on what the patient is coming in for. Um, the treatment will uh, differ as in what points we might use on the body. And have you found over the last while that people have been contacting you saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm looking towards this as something that might help? Or is it the new people coming forward, I suppose? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a mixture, I'll be honest with you. Um, I, again, even though acupuncture has been around for so long, I mean, acupuncture is one of the oldest forms of medicine in the world. And still, there's so many people out there that haven't tried it. You know, so we get lots of new people coming in who are kind of, they might be skeptics, they might be a little bit like, okay, I don't, I don't know if this is really going to work, but I want to try it. Um, and then you get the older generation, which I love coming in because they're maybe tired of taking medications for certain things or they're tired of doing the same kind of routine over and over again and they want to try something different. So it's, it's really a, mix, a mixed bag and we get to see kind of all ages um, coming in to try the acupuncture and, and thankfully it, um, they get the results they want and they come back for more. And certainly over the last while, like stress levels and anxiety and stuff like that have, have obviously reared their head, even in people that might never have found themselves yeah. suffering. They have. And, and I mean, it is a stressful time. You know, it's it's um, a different thing for everyone out there now. It's, um, we haven't seen this before. So stress levels are going to be heightened. And then we'll have people who do suffer with stress kind of on a regular basis or people who suffer with anxiety or depression. And, and all that has heightened as well because of this uh, pandemic. So it is... Um, Everyone has been affected by this. And I, I think there is a lot of people I found this week, especially coming in, um, saying the same thing. You know, I'm just, I'm okay kind of health-wise, but I just feel a bit um, kind of uh, panicky or I feel a bit stressed and I just want something to calm me down. And that's what the acupuncture does for you. And I suppose as well to go to somebody that you feel comfortable with. And like, I, I know just, you know, you've been quite open on your Instagram page and you've, yeah. you've shared the, like your journey over the past couple of months. And um, yeah. I suppose that helps in forming relationship as well. Yeah, I like to think so. I think, you know, it's re- it's very important to have um, that click um, yeah. with your practitioner. You know, I mean, I'm the same. You know, if I'm going to go see someone, I like to think I can um, open up to them and I feel comfortable with them. And, of course, many people that come to me nowadays um, are coming off the back of social media. You know, they might see me on social media or they might hear me talking and they feel even just comfortable by listening to me or else, you know, I'm myself. What you see is what you get and, and that's it. And that's, um, I think a lot of people feel comfortable with that. And so when they come in, they're not, they, they almost, know me you know in a way um, so they're much more comfortable um, and they're happy with what they what they see on uh, Instagram and, and social media so I mean it's great you know they, they come in they feel comfortable and uh, we just we go on with treatments from there on you know yeah it's easier to kind of have that bond formed I suppose and it is. yeah it's, it's quite a personal thing isn't it when you go to somebody for acupuncture it really 
really is. I mean, look, you're going to be coming in. Uh, well, look, I can't speak for every acupuncturist. We kind of differ in different ways. But if I'm doing a full consultation, you know, you're going to be asking some uh, quite private questions and stuff like that. And we need some information which will help the treatment overall, you know. So it is very important to feel comfortable uh, with the patient. And it's very important for the patient to feel comfortable with the practitioner, which um, just helps everything go uh, a bit more smoothly, you know. Brilliant. Well, you can check, you can follow yourself, as they say, uh, Jason Walsh Acupuncture on Instagram and uh, you've got lots of tips there as well. So uh, it's definitely worth checking out. Thanks a million for chatting to us this morning. And uh, yeah, it was really helpful. Thank you, Charlotte. No problem at all. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It is the time of the week where the man in the know, his name is Donal O'Donoghue, who haven't talked to him in ages, so I haven't. Delighted. Happy Yanks. Yeah. yeah, I know. With your TV tips, how are you? Yeah, I'm still surviving. Absolutely, absolutely. I was actually looking through my tips for today, actually, and I just realised that I've got something old, something new and something borrowed. Hopefully oh, nothing I blue, l- hopefully. I like <laughs> but, uh, that. Yeah, but, but it's one thing well, about your job is, like, people have now relied on TV more than ever. It's, it's like, true, isn't it? And yeah. you know what, actually? Not only that, Shona, but also a lot of movies, like, for example, this weekend, the new Spike Lee movie opened up on Netflix. Yes, uh, have you seen it yet? The no, five, the I da, haven't. Da Five Bloods. No. It's supposed to be getting rave reviews everywhere. And the but other also, like, one Art, that's Art, out, Art Fowl, yeah, I get Disney them. Plus. Um, they're all on, all the movies come in on platforms because there's nothing. And as you said, as you rightly said, even though the weather's been good, people have been binging a lot on TV. I know for a fact because like, uh, I know but even with people, <laughs> you know, put the child in front of the TV, you know, but childcare issues, I know about as well. Like you just leave the child in front of the TV and find out what's on TV, you know, and you watch yourself. Are you insinuating that I would put my child no, in front of the I would. TV I as a form of childcare? You, you obviously <laughs> take him out and about and do lots of interesting things, <laughs> painting and drawing and uh, interacting with nature. But I just go, hey, there you go now. There's Thomas Tangent in 25 episodes. There you go. <laughs> no, no. No, that's me but what I do is I do the painting for maybe 10 or 15 minutes and then I go oh I've earned up enough points for like two hours right. of television <laughs> yeah yeah there yeah. we go yeah yeah exactly right so talk to me up first you have got the Salisbury this is dark this is the new one yeah um, when I say new this is a new uh, it's a new series starts on tonight actually on BBC One 9 o'clock and it's a three part series and it's stripped over consecutive nights so you can see the three shows tonight tomorrow night and Tuesday night um, you might know about this I'm sure everyone knows about this Actually, it's based on a true life story that happened in, Eng- in the city of Eng- uh, Salisbury in England on March the 4th, 2018. Um, on that day, actually, there was a couple of fans, Sergei and Yulia oh. Skripal, were found unconscious on a park bench. Yes. They were taken to hospital. Nobody knew what was wrong with them. It mm. took a while to diagnose what it was. And eventually, uh, they discovered that they were, uh, had been poisoned uh, with a nerve agent, Novichok. Uh, and anyway, um, so the, the police are investigating. Um, Rafe Spall, who plays Detective Nick Bailey, these are all based on, this is a true drama based on true life people as well, actually. Should, um, so Rafe Spall is investigating. He goes, he visits the home with a couple who've been poisoned and begins feeling well himself. Um, and meanwhile, the director of public health for Wilshire, who's played by Anne-Marie Duff, you know Anne-Marie Duff? Yeah, she's brilliant. Shameless, she's brilliant, actually. So she's called to an emergency meeting and reveals that it was an attempted assassination uh, with an unidentified poison. So then her job is to find out exactly where this poison has been. So okay. she checks the CCTV and sees the couple have been based Basically, all over the city centre. So she's going, oh my God, what's going to happen here? And meanwhile, in another part of the city, uh, a woman called Dawn Sturgis, played here by Mayanna Burning. You might remember her from Ripper Street. Um, no. Yeah, but you recognise her face definitely. Well, she and her boyfriend, Charlie, again, a real life person at Dawn, uh, are in a park and they find a bottle, a small bottle of what they believe to be aftershave or perfume. And um, you've probably heard of the story as well, but they sprayed on themselves. And obviously, it wasn't aftershave or perfume. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of, it's a really, I mean, 
the story I know from back in the day, it's quite a sad story, quite tragic in a lot of ways. But uh, it's going to be fascinating because I've got a really good cast here. It's going to be fascinating how they play it out, you know. What's fascinating um, about it is, and I had completely forgotten, I, I remember reading about it mm. at the time, obviously, but I, uh, the fact that it's a true story. Yes, absolutely. Because um, Sergei Skripal was a former Russian military officer and also a double agent. And obviously, that's the, that's why he was a, that's why he was focused on an assassination attempt. But you probably remember as well. There was a couple of guys caught on CCTV. Two Russians, two Russians caught on CCTV who apparently think were agents, basically. But they said they were just tourists visiting the cathedral city, you know, wandering around the city. But they were obviously the guys who did the deed, you know. Yeah. So this is a major. This is a global event, a major um, political thing as well, you know. So yeah. But I mean, I'm going to be just curious. First of all. The story itself is fascinating, but also the actors involved, the cast involved, I imagine it's going to be pretty, pretty gripping drama, you know? Look, and BBC just do drama oh yeah. so well. Like and I, quite, really I think, know. I don't know if you know what happened to the various people involved, the various people I mentioned, but it can be, it's going to be quite sad to say as well, actually. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for cheering me up on this. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we want a good gripping drama for the next three nights. That's the one to go for, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> From the blue part, actually. Yeah. And if you want the complete opposite and you just want to laugh out loud, uh, up next is Dairy Girls, which is back to back on Channel 4 from Friday. That's right, actually. It's the one where we're, I mean, you can, you can binge in Dairy Girls whenever you want on the streaming servers, but actually, Channel 4 will kind of put all of them up there of season two, Lisa McGee's uh, series on season two for all six episodes are back to back on Friday night from 10 o'clock. Um, You've probably seen both seasons, have you? Would you believe? I don't know how I've managed to not look at season two, but it's one of those ones that I keep going, I'll watch that next, I'll watch that next. And well, I here's still your opportunity. Not, yeah. Here's the go, exactly. Here, here you can, from Friday, you can watch all the right till after midnight. All six. I, my favourite characters, I'm, you would have seen in season one, is Tommy Tiernan oh, yeah. and Ian McElhenney as the harried husband and the, and the father-in-law. I think that couple, that, that, that duo are really, really good, you know? Oh, the dynamic series. is just brilliant. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was also a little bit afraid of being disappointed because everyone was hyping it up so much in terms of, you know, it's always hard when it comes back mm, for sure. another season, but I've heard it's, it's equally as good, if not better. Yeah, it's, it's good actually. And season three is coming soon. I think maybe later. Yeah. Well, I think it's being put back by the pandemic, obviously, but it's later on this year. Yeah, I think season three is in 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 the works, as I say. And you know what? There's something as well, kind of refreshing and nice that it's on Channel Four, and you know you can follow it in in, in the old-fashioned way. Exactly. Well, that's what, that's what I'm interested in, actually, because it's the old-fashioned, like watch it on TV. You know, it's the old-fashioned exactly. Yeah. It's so funny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And finally, yeah. um, my brilliant friend. Sky Atlantic. I don't know anything about this. And yeah, well, I, thought, I, I, I know of this actually. I know of this because this is season two. It's on Sky Atlantic on Friday and now TV as well. Obviously, the catch-up service to have the streaming service. It's from nine o'clock on Sky Atlantic on Friday. Now this is, and I haven't read the books. It's based on Elena Ferrante's uh, quartet, what's called the so-called Neapolitan Quartet, okay. and it tells the story of uh, two young girls, Lila and Lenu, uh, growing up in 1950s Naples. Now, the first season got amazing, I mean, amazing reviews. And I met a friend of mine who's a huge fan of the book and I think people who, who like the books are just totally fanatical about it and very, as you know, can be very precious about the books and how it's translated yeah. to the screen. But she thought the TV series was just amazing. Um, it's, um, it's also, if you're interested in these kind of things, it's also got a 96% approval, ratings approval on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. As well, you know, which is, which is pretty impressive. But in the second season, these young girls are now kind of young women but the, the problems are the same always have been in post-war Italy where the roles basically in society is defined by their gender, you know, and that's obviously an, an ongoing issue, I'm sure, yeah. right? So in order to escape from this pigeonhole, they have to get creative because these are they're quite, what I know of it, they're very ambitious, very courageous young women um, and apparently the two actresses, two young actresses, well, not so young now, are amazingly brilliant in this and, the, and the, it's subtitled. 
Oh, but it's okay. subtitled in Italian, but also in the local dialect. So even the Italians who watch it in Italy uh, um, have to watch the subtitles as well, because no obviously it's local dialect. Yeah, yeah. And apparently um, the production qualities are amazing as well, actually stunning production qualities. And it's funny because all the reviews I've read actually of this, mostly written by women, say like, this is, men should watch this because this just tells you how women are, you know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> kind really? of so, so I have to, yeah, yeah. There's a the review in The Guardian of Series 1 that says, listen, you know, this is just an amazing portrayal of a friendship between two women, you know, from, from a young age to, you know, as they grow through life. And they said, like, every man should really watch this as well just to understand some idea of what women are about, you know. Right. Well, I want you to sit down with your notebook and I will actually, uh, take yeah, yeah. notes. But, uh, you know, <laughs> if you haven't, and obviously if you haven't seen season one, because I imagine you have to really, really watch season yeah. one before you watch season two, it's still it's available on Now TV as well and streaming service if you want to catch up on that, you know. Excellent. But it does sound amazing. It does like one of these shows shown that I should actually sit down with my notebook or even without my notebook and watch, you know, because it does sound like an amazing show. Well, I am challenging you to that task. <laughs> okay, that's my challenge for next week. Is that all <laughs> and I'll check in with all the raffles make sure that you've done your homework um, yeah, yeah. You, you need to come back with a full report can a full I say report, to you exactly yeah, yeah. I am he's like there he goes yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm slightly disappointed now in that you are missing something from your TV tips this week would you oh, well, have that? any idea what that is it's actually starting tonight on Channel 4 oh let me see this is a bit of a test isn't it I'm totally it is a test actually uh, think, notes here. think reality TV Oh no, is it a big one, is it? <laughs> big Brother, Big Brother, it's not Big Brother's best shows ever. It's yes, on E4. it is, it is. Is it? Yeah. It's on E4 from tonight, yeah? I thought it was certain. No, it's on Channel 4. It's on Channel yeah. 4 as well. It deserves to be on Channel 4, Donald. Or maybe it's on, yeah, because I have, I have, um, um, I think it's I have on it on E4 4. here, actually, from tonight, actually, yeah. Well, it's, it's just, look, we need a little bit of, like, nostalgia and looking back, and I don't know if you were a Big Brother fan. Oh, you know what I was? I, I, yeah. I can't believe, I'm just reading it. It's 20 years old. Can you believe that? I know. That? Like, you remember know, Nasty Nick? I was going to say Nasty Nick is the one everyone knows who, who, who can't forget yeah. But it was But back then, it was so unique, you know, because so different. No one had done this kind of thing before. And was Alan Nolan in the first one or the second series? Anna was in, I think she was in the first one. I think she was wow. in the Nasty Nick one. And Craig was in it. And, oh, Craig. Yeah, like, he won, remember? But it just, you know, that's amazing, actually. I remember these people, actually. And if you ask me if anybody subsequently, I couldn't remember I anybody. But I remember Craig, Anna... And Nasty Nick, of course. But they were yeah. the original. And as you say, they went in not having a notion what they were walking into. So it'll be really nice to look back. And look, there's loads of like explosive moments as well. Like Vanessa Feltz, when she had her issues, when she went into the celebrity version. I just yes, think yes. It's, it's a little That's bit. Right. Of, exactly, because um, it has clips from Celebrity Book Butter as well on the show tonight. And Davina, Davina McCall is back as well. From, she is, yeah, yeah. She's hosting it tonight, actually. Yeah, she's reunited with Ryland, Clark, Neil. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, Donald. Yeah, well, I'm dragging her from the depths of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just wanted to get that in because, uh, yeah, it, look, I'll be watching that. For Wait, sure. Forget about everything I said. Just watch the show tonight. No, I'm not no, no, you're right. Cause that'll be, it's a bit of nostalgia and a bit of fun. A bit of, it's also, a, kind of a, it's history. I mean, it really is history. It is. The way I, we were. I think it'll yeah. be really interesting to look back and you'll realise how much reality TV has completely changed and possibly not for the better you know wasn't there a kind of naivety I, 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 that's the wrong word maybe there was an innocence about it back in those days as well oh totally you know, so, like, and people didn't know how to act or react on TV but then obviously by watching it they learned how to be on TV but I genuinely don't think it'll be interesting to see now tonight but I don't think they had any inkling about the cameras being on them they just weren't aware in the way that people are now I mean that's what it's all about that's now it's an awareness a knowing awareness and of course back in those days as well I'm, I'm, no, I'm no now they have a lot of therapists that have been going through shows and how to cope with the 
anything and everything after. But I don't oh. think they had back in those days, no. did they? Well, I no, I wouldn't think so. It was totally Nasty different. Nasty Nicholas branded don't, for life. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to. I think he was fine with this, to be honest. Um, yeah. I think it was the title he liked. I am, yeah. I don't want to overlook what you've given us today. Amazing. The Salisbury Poisonings, um, 9pm tonight. It's for the next three nights uh, Derry Girls from Friday on Channel 4 and my brilliant friend Sky Atlantic and Now TV uh, from Friday on Sky Atlantic like you're amazing you're wonderful I just love Big Brother so I had to get it in Oh absolutely you're dead right <laughs> and I'll be watching tonight as well and you can actually tell um Tell Orla to give me questions that next week as well. Okay, I will do. And I'll, I'll make sure <laughs> that you've done your homework. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, have a great week and uh, we'll chat to you soon. Thanks, Shana. Thanks, Donald. Take care. Brilliant. Take care. Look after yourself. The Sunday Grill with Crane and Crane Insurance. To compare motor and home insurance quotes across multiple different insurers, see craneandcrane.ie.